And we're live. Welcome back to another episode of the Blasters and Blades podcast. This time for proof of life, we dragged Nick out of his hidey hole. Uh, we hid his markers so he can't draw and make his comic book manga art stuff. Uh, I listened to the interviews over. Did I get it wrong? Is it? Yeah, yeah. You called it manga. So I'll be out on the East Coast come Monday, and I'm going to make a little drive and visit you. <laughs> All I'm just saying is if I mysteriously have my head explode because a sniper at long range got me, I'm not saying to look at Nick, but I'm not not saying that either. All right? <laughs> hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. The podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to first, before we introduce Keith, who's been on here, episode 157. You should go back and listen. But uh, we wanted to address some technical issues. Uh, Doc has had some issues with her router, um, so she is working on getting that addressed. And I have noticed that with mine as well, since we have neighbors in the house that was formerly empty. So I have the fine folks at Cox Communication bringing me a router booster signal thingamabooDad. Uh, I, I pretend I know technology, but so hopefully that should be resolved going forward, dear listener. And we appreciate your patience in the meantime. And uh, how's your new microphone working out? Is that good, Nick? Oh, I haven't even set it up yet, bro. <laughs> uh, you were having problems with your old one. You were having problems with the old one when you were having uh, Stabby on with us. So I was just checking. Yes, Stabby stole my replacement, and then the one you sent is just kind of chilling here in the office. But I got three days off. Today was my Friday before I head mm. out to lovely Jacksonville, Florida, and then St. Augustine. <clears throat> Look, if I see anything about somebody wrestling alligators from California, I'm going to call you and make sure you're alive. It could have been me right? or any other agent that's down there. Don't do, just don't do what the FBI did where they went to the dance party and they did a flip and they shot themselves in the thigh and somebody at the party, too, because their gun went bouncing around. Don't do that. The you know, it's the FBI. What are you going to do? You remember that when that yeah. was in the news? Yeah. <laughs> We we at the station make memes of it for like at least two months. Like we make so, fun of them. We make fun of them anyway, but they give us so much ammunition to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but we're not here to make fun of the FBI because they're going to be knocking on our doors. We love you anyway, Mister Alphabet people. Uh, but we're going to let Keith Hedger, our guest. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Hi, I'm Keith Hedger, and I write cyberpunk dystopian dystopian or military sci-fi depending on who you ask i think it's mostly cyberpunk with flavors of so i live in Pella, iowa where the town started its own fiber co-op and yeah my internet's amazing <laughs> i have a lot of can fun they, writing about things that people in Pella would probably go what <laughs> so can you drag the cable all the way out to virginia and then out to california for him too I'll check around on that. <laughs> there, it's like there are parts of Pella I can't move to because they won't have fi Pella fiber. And I'm just like, no, no, I'm keeping the fiber. It's amazing. I'm trying to yep. tap into the Navy's ghost net. So <laughs> unofficially, you're not. If you're listening, Navy, he's, he was making a joke in a story. I am 100 serious. I'll see you guys at 1800. <laughs> <laughs> so. The uh, I don't think we're allowed to call it dystopian anymore. I just think we call it modern, um, classic, yeah. finally. I don't know. So you're, what saying the word is become, you're saying it's become too much of like real life. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I remember the tuck and roll drills in the early 80s, barely, but I remember because the nuclear holocaust mm-hmm. was going to happen. And then we thought, oh, they were just paranoid, freaking Cold War. And now we're right <laughs> back there. It's like life came full circle. Yeah. All right. So the next part of the introduction, dear listener, because we didn't get here to ramble. I mean, we will ramble, but not about that. Uh, We're going to tell you how we first found them. So we actually met Keith when he reached out to us because he was a listener of the show. And then he thought, you know, my books could could be talked about, too. And he invited himself on back for one episode 157. And then when he had his new project, I was like, hey, let's do this again. Wasn't he on for Cyberpunk Day? He was. He was. He was also that's on how, That's how I met Keith. Yeah. And that's when you realized that some of what you were writing was actually cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> Sadly, I, I, I that's the one anthology I can't make sell. Even the Storming Area 51, which was a disaster because I invested too heavily in what was a flop as far as the event, it sold more than my cyberpunk anthology. I thought for sure the audience would be all over cyberpunk stuff, but... You got to include a space whale. <laughs> There's got to be something, something to draw in other genres or crowds to it. Yeah. And it was a buddy of mine. Literally, it's like, it's like I've read all your stuff. You know, you're writing mill sci-fi, and I'm like, "There's not a war going on here." He's like, "No, yeah. this is mill sci-fi." It was like, "Okay, I shoot a lot of people, but seriously." <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. I was pretty proud of the anthology. I don't pick stories that aren't good. So, yeah, whatever. You win some, you lose some. Hmm. All right, Nick. Feel better about uh, Sleigh Bell's Ring. <laughs> that one is actually uh, in the black as far as the ebook goes. When? Um, uh, we just as of today. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got the, the black too. Awesome. Uh, the the audiobook we did, um, Garrett Michael Brown is an awesome narrator. Uh, I'm actually going to ask to see if I can get him on my next series. But he did that as a royalty here because he believed in the project enough. And then Amazon took forever letting that get uploaded. And unfortunately, they're a large slice of the audiobook market. So uh, we're going to advertise the heck out of it for 2023's Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then because it did so well and it was so well received, we're going to do another holiday anthology in 2024 um, that we'll probably announce right before Christmas so people can write it while they're festive or while they're angry rage shopping on Black Friday. Mm. That's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that gives the um, it gives the authors the fuel to, you know, to, to level in the hate. Do we have, do you uh, have a theme for this one yet? <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I, I thought trying to do, like, we did Santa Claus as a badass operator. Trying to incorporate Miss Claus was kind of an idea. So if you've got, dear listener, any ideas, shoot them to us in the Facebook group. Mention them on the YouTubes where you're listening, wherever. You know, just send the comments, join the discussion. But I'm trying to come up with a, an angle to make it just not volume two of Sleigh Bells Ring. Yeah. But uh, Nick and I had a lot of fun making um, the Christmas elves feral and going full columbine on them oh no no uh, we had, say that <laughs> oh, oh i'm sorry oh, we man. had we had one re- one reader said it was the um as if uh santa met the old testament i guess that that's is, a little better to say that is an accurate description of what was going on in there yeah i yeah. said oh this isn't enough violence let me amp it up and then nick did his edit and he's like you know jr we could probably make it even more violent so he just added some more blood and <laughs> Uh, let me, sh- let I me was show you how a toe popper goes off. 
and I was reading that one, and it was just like, no, no. Every NCO or team lead who's ever been had a had the officer show up and take over the operation has felt the way this all feels, and it's just like, yes. what do you mean I, you're changing I, the whole thing? <laughs> as both a former NCO and a former officer, I agree and feel disrespected by that comment. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one That's who added it, though, so he insulted himself. As a former CEO, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. He made himself stand at parade rest in the corner, okay? He I really did. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> in a mirror. So the mirror version of me was just berating the officer version of me. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Now, we, we know yeah. he answered the last religion question, right? Because he's on, like we said, the episode 157. But let's see if he still has the, the pizzazz and if he can get it right a second time. Is it the same question, though? No, I changed it up. All right. So now we're cooking with napalm. I love it. All right. So dear listeners, you know, we run through some pretty basic standard beginning questions. So that we like to ask our victims, I mean, guests. So first question, the religion question, Battlestar Galactica, Stargate or Lost in Space? That's tough. New, new Lost in Space or old Lost in Space? Dealer's choice. God, I was just going to say that. Yeah. I'm going to go with Stargate out of the three, but Old Lost in Space is like, well, I was a kid when that was out. <laughs> and the new Battlestar Galactica was a hell of a lot of fun. I liked the new Battlestar Galactica. They, I tried to watch the old one, but when I bought the box set, so I could, you know, obviously it's not on the air anymore. Yeah. They did it in two hour chunks. So you couldn't watch an episode at a, at a time, which makes it really hard to pace mm -hmm. yourself. If you don't have a lot of free time, but I'm told that there are versions out there you can get that will break it down episode by episode. But oh, wow. uh, yeah, I, I want to get through the old one. Yeah, I want to yeah. get through the old one eventually. Yeah, it it's not a chore. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm working my way through Supernatural. Oh, Ooh. you're gonna be there for a while. I'm on episode five now, or season five now. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't started talking like Dean Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one, Nick. All right, because we're a polytheistic bunch of wombats. Uh, Dragonheart, the never-ending story, or Gremlins? Oh, this is going to be – this one's rough. But I'm going to go with um, They're all Gremlins. Good. They are all good, but Gremlins, because it was just fun. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, never-ending yeah, story. Was. I was like a teenager, I think, when it first hit. Dragonheart was a – really good story but gremlins just had that fun twist to it oh yeah and then they put it, it out at christmas which was great yeah so nick you're yeah. going to join the discussion here we didn't prep you for this but when i was prepping for this to give me uh shows and, and books series and such that he could pick a religion question for mm -hmm. i didn't want to do the same one so i went to our friend air google uh, and they listed for fantasy movies fifth element and galaxy quest i just wanted to to get your take on that because that seems like they're drunk and they need to go home on a, I wouldn't say Galaxy Quest is fantasy. I would say that's more sci-fi. Yeah, to um, me that's it, it's an obvious that. spoof of of Star Trek, Trek. Um, the original series, um, and it's near and dear to my heart. And hopefully they make a sequel. I would love it Please. too. <laughs> um, what was the other one? Fifth Element. Yeah, they said Fifth uh, Element. That's still sci-fi to me. It was aliens. It wasn't fantasy it was, creatures. I, I, I can kind of see it as fantasy, like just a. It, it, it's fantasy in the same vein Star Wars has fantasy elements. Yeah, like there's a certain type of magic. 
But, yeah, but really, um, if I had to use an analogy, it's as much fantasy as the bitters on my sugar cubes for my old fashioned. So I'm gonna smile and nod and pretend I know what that means. The bourbon, and I is totally sci-fi. know what that means. <laughs> the bourbon is sci fi, that the fantasy part, it's like, eh, yeah, I guess I can see it, but yeah. is it really fantasy? No. So they need to uh, switch from White Claw and go to something heavier, like an old-fashioned. Have, have you seen the uh, with the rise in people with no kids, there's been a subsequent increase in people interested in fine bourbons to the fact that the FBI and all of the State Bureau of Investigations are investigating serious crimes related to the theft of bourbon. Wow. Well, if you steal my bourbon, I'm going to be very upset. Apparently, so, like yeah. there was like all kinds it's of literally murder. violence. Uh, there was murder for hire plot over a bottle of 25 year old Pappy. Yeah, which, that I, is I mean, a, I, oh no, no, yeah, you yeah, know, that's like I get it. Brand. That's one. Of yeah, the, I think uh, it's like two hundred dollars a shot. Yeah, like two hundred dollars yeah. a shot. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I'd probably commit violence for a crap I had, at a shot. At I, that. I tried it when I was in college because I had rich friends uh, at the school I went to, and I'm just telling you, it was wasted on the youth. Like, we did not know what we were enjoying. That's a that's a you sip that you enjoy every you don't shoot it. No, we were too stupid know. to know that though, and they should have smacked us for it. Like, I'm looking at my younger self, and I'm like, Psh! you know, I just need to kick I in know. the ball. <laughs> yeah, me and my buddy bought a, uh, I think it was a 25 year old bottle of Jameson. Um, and we only broke it out on the anniversary of our graduation. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that that nice. got put somewhere locked where our drunk asses could not get anywhere near it. <laughs> the closest <laughs> I I have is a bottle of uh, from 2004. Is a bottle of um, Virginia Gentleman, and we bought that in the duty free shop. So it wasn't because it was good; it was just available and yeah. from our home state before we deployed. We were going to drink it when we all got home, and we didn't. So. I have not opened it yet. Got to find a good reason. Yeah. So, Friday. I'm just saying. <laughs> Friday's a good. I reason. mean, I've got I've got other other bur- booze for for the Friday reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and then for so, the Monday weekend, the Monday reasons. And then Tuesday, but anyway, we we uh, we are not the Bourbon Show because they're not sponsoring us, and they really should. So if you're listening, uh, yeah, fellow alcoholic. Uh, we we wouldn't mind free samples just in return for like pipping your stuff. I'm, we don't ask for much. Pay us in booze. Pay us in booze. That's all we I, ask I'd for. Be... <laughs> all right, Nick. Let's get us back on track. Sponsored by Templeton. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, is it good? I haven't tried oh, that one. Templeton's two and a half. Templeton, Iowa, where that's distilled, is two and a half hours from my house, and they have a sick. Oh yeah. Last time I was there, I picked up this is a bottle of their six year rye reserve, and they also have a yeah. 10 year corn corn mash reserve. Oh, have you tried the 10 year? Um, we they have a tasting room, it's the only place you can get those two. Is there? Is there? And yeah. Yes, I tried it. And oh my god, that is good. Smooth. Oh, all right, let's get let's get us back on track on the train that um, I already did. Oh, yeah, we're not talking about drinks. No, that's another podcast that I'm developing. We we should actually <laughs> do an episode. We, we should do an episode about like alcohol in science fiction and fantasy and give us an excuse to revisit this and we'll just dress it up like book stuff and then drink on the air. I've got everything in my bar to make a Romulan <laughs> ale. There we go. We've got plans now, people. 
I used to right, have a recipe for pangalactic gur gurgle blaster. There's a nice. There's a yeah, alcohol mystery. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a booze in Marco Clouse's world that they made too. I don't know how they got it to look like ice blue water, but mm. oh, where there's a will, there's a way. Oh yeah, and I will find it. So, what was your uh, first love, Keith? Was it sci-fi or fantasy? It was actually sci-fi. Kind of came into it through comic book, TV shows, cartoons. Nice going on star wars was like the first movie i really remember seeing my family went to it in a drive-thru we kind of talked about that last time i was on nice. so yeah and then later i got into things like lord of the rings the hobbit reading that kind of stuff and then it's like so i kind of swapped back and forth between fantasy and sci-fi no disrespect to evil either but sci-fi was really kind of my first love yeah yeah same here so so since you answered number seven when you when he asked six as well, which makes our job really easy, and Nick's a comic book nerd, what was the first uh, comic uh, Fourier for you? Like, was it Superman? I don't know what was around when. Justice League cartoons, and I know Iron Man had a yeah. cartoon. Okay. Yes, he did. Yep. Uh, okay. 1969, and, I believe. It yep. And I was catching it early 73, 74. I was three or four years old. It was on. And then Saturday, we used to have, folks, we used to have Saturday morning cartoons. It was just like a five hour block of cartoons. And it was yeah. like, those were DC, more... had a, DC had Justice League on. You had all kinds of crazy stuff. And then the Super yeah. Friends. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's Captain Planet. No, that's 300. Much there, there were like 300 different super Superman brought a whole family with him from Krypton. Yeah, <laughs> about that in the movies, damn it. Like, what was he? Uh, was he in the luggage compartment? Is that where all these guys came from? Where'd the dog come from? That's what I yeah. want to know. How did crypto get there? <laughs> all right, so the uh, what is it about? Like, you've talked about your sort of your origin story, if you were for your exposure to sci fi and fantasy, but what is it about that? that umbrella of speculative fiction that you love so much in my case because well for the one i love just seeing where people's imagination goes and seeing the kind of things people were are thinking may happen in the future and what humanity may do and as the joke the joke you'll see on the on social media says it's like ah the writer from 2003 as we explore the far corners of the universe you had such a high hopes for us <laughs> We're not to 2023 and we're not that <laughs> a flying car, but, but yeah, we yeah. Can, you can expand and just explore and you can play with anything. So a social issue, you know, you can talk about politics. You can, where's tech going? What happens if we run into some alien species and there's no way to really get bored of it? Cause it can be, it's different every time somebody does it. Yeah, I remember. So, space nineteen ninety nine was thinking we would already be there uh, at the, mm -hmm. the turn of the, the century. So, you know, Y two K proved they were stupid about tech. And mm -hmm. then you've got was it the Jetsons should have been happening right about this year, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and I still don't have my, I, I still don't have my flying car. <laughs> so, or the little part of the yeah. car where you can jettison your kids and your wife. <laughs> what you want to back talk? Boom. Eject. <laughs> oh, that was for the kids, not the wife. That's probably not a good idea unless you've got a comfortable couch. Um, yeah. So, 
How did your love of speculative fiction as a consumer, you read the books, watched the shows, played the games, how did that translate or transition into you deciding to tell your own stories in that space? I I was reading a lot of this stuff as a kid through high school. I mean, weirdly, my high school had a science fiction and fantasy reading class, wow. which was surprisingly interesting. And they had a really good, and the teachers let me read whatever. He didn't care. So I was reading some random stuff and bringing in my own stuff and, you know, the Elric stories and all that. But it was at some point I'd read something that wasn't great. And it was like, I had ideas for stories. So I started early days kind of writing them, writing stories out. And it was just kind of, I'm making this up as I go along because I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm an adult now. I graduate high school. I joined the army. Often on, I do some more writing. And then finally, a few years back, it was like I had written easy jobs. And yes, I end up writing stories out of order. Please don't shoot me. <laughs> but I'd written easy jobs and it was novella length, but it was a fun story. And a few friends had read it and said, yeah, you should do something with that. So I edited it up a little bit. Got A friend of mine made a cover for it and I published it. And from there, it was just like... <clears throat> Well, people like burning bad karma. Might as well keep writing stories. <laughs> and good reason I enjoy, to do it. And I enjoy writing the stories. Okay. And every once in a while, so, I make a couple of bucks at this. That that's the dream. So <laughs> many many authors will let their own real life experiences influence the stories they tell. So, were there any specific formidable moments that you think shape the way you tell stories? Um. Because I've had a really interesting life and a diversity of you know skills training. I was in the army and did did several things. I got into rock climbing. I like running running long distance in trails, stuff like that. So all of that kind of feeds into it. So it's like, yeah, I know there's a right way to do this, but there's also the fact that I'm going to have burn and bad karma do a clip together rappel down a side of a hundred of an eleven down 11 stories of a building in Atlanta at some point. Yeah, they'll ju I'll just work it out and make it up as I go along. So some days it's like, yeah, there's a lot of realism. Other days it's like, yeah, I just need them to run out of ammo so they have to do a magazine change at a bad time. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's, <clears throat> there's the belief that if you can give them enough of the little details that are correct yeah. to sort of create the ambiance, then you can they'll go with you on the big lie. But yep. if you have peasants that somehow own horses, like how how do you feed it if you yeah, can't feed yeah. yourself or or yeah. you know your sword yeah. that can somehow yeah. destroy a, a bot that you know a 50 cal can take out or you know whatever the case yeah. may be like you've yeah. got to give them a reason to believe or, or this kid who's just barely scraping by enough to feed himself has a really high-end you know gun how did they where what <laughs> stop yeah Build up so i have some plausible reason to buy that this kid has this thing or just have him steal it on accident and not know what he's doing. Like something. Give me yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll give you a lot of leeway, but give me enough that I go, oh, okay, this works. Yeah. No, yeah. That tracks. All right, Nick. All right. Yeah, I'm definitely rusty. Um, so we ask all our authors that are veterans uh, this question. How do you feel like your time in uniform affects the stories you tell? Even oh, okay, JR, JR and I kind of discussed it. We discussed this a little bit the last time, but 
Yeah, it's one of those things. Even though most of my characters are kind of freelancers, because in cyberpunk, that's one of the tropes is everybody's kind of an independent actor and a freelancer and a mercenary and however you want to phrase it. There tends to end up being some kind of a chain of command and some kind of a unit model going on where it's like this person handles this. We all work together. We all we all, you know, for these things, this person's in charge for these things. This person's in charge. And we just move like that. Sam Blaster really emphasized that because it was basically a military high story. Um, oh, it's two actually two high stories in one. Uh, I love good like, high stories. Did you double cross the double cross? I guess that's a triple there was cross. A guy on, there was a guy on the team who was double crossing them. Um, I didn't intend for Phoebe the Tank to be born, but Tony Weisskopf did something and I ended up creating an, a sentient tank. And they went to the tank went to steal their old chain of command back. <laughs> you do know that I do have a tank or mecha anthology coming out later this year. Yes, a sentient tank sounds fun. I'm just saying. You've already published her once. That was Phoebe. <laughs> I'm just saying you could write more. There's always oh, room yeah. for more tank action. Yeah, if we get time after this, let's talk. <laughs> idea. <laughs> And that's how ideas uh, are born. Oh, no, no. I already had the idea because he. I, I thought about this a little bit with a Space Marine novel that looked like it was going to be a Trump novel for a while. And nice, then I went, nice. oh, it just needs Phoebe involved. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so, Nick, if you, had, if you had a sentient tank, would it hurt your feelings or would you hurt its? I mean, you could be a little harsh on the radio. I, yeah, <laughs> okay. but... I, if it's if she has a sweet voice, I'm a sucker for a sweet voice. I'd fall in love with the tank, and it would never work. It just the parts won't match. <laughs> I'm just saying that having experienced your your unit when we were in Iraq, not together, but at the same time, your bedside manner could use some work. That's all I'm saying. I didn't have time for bedside manner. I was out stacking <laughs> bodies and saving lives, bro. <laughs> and, and I appreciate that. You know, I'm not not one to quibble, but I'm just saying. Well, maybe you could have held my hand a little nicer. Live saved portion of that. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe when you were doing it, you could have like you know held my hand, whispered sweet nothings in my ear, right? <laughs> You're fine. Get That's... the fuck up. <laughs> Get behind. You're okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, Nick would was, kill me if he found out what I did with the Rangers in my setting. <laughs> they are kind of their own perfect. military now. <laughs> Ooh, I could, I, like I could see that. I've met a few. We so, discussed that in the back in the day. Yeah, like, we should just be our own branch, dude. <laughs> so, was Phoebe based on? Was the personality of Phoebe based on anybody you served with, or do you use their as inspiration? Um, Phoebe, oh, no, she was kind of organically created, but. Um, it was literally, I had typed out a string of characters for her serial number and F and B were together. And because the two humans in the tank are soldiers, they went FB. So your name's Phoebe now. <laughs> okay. And her personality that's, that's exactly kind of, how we do it. and her personality kind of coalesced after that. <laughs> so she's kind of, her, at least so far in the setting, she's kind of, well, you read, um, in uh, Slave Bell's Ring. She's kind of a 23-year-old young woman trying to figure out the world and learned most of what she knows about tank warfare <coughs> by reading Hammer Slammers and the Bolo novels. It's a good place she to start. pays no attention to, you know, doctrine. Well, neither Why do would you United need States that? Tankers. <laughs> <laughs> 
No one else. They're a unique phrase. <laughs> Does she get to utter at any point the iconic phrase "death before dismount"? Since she technically can't dismount, it's never really come up. I'm just saying, you can't have a tank novel without that being used at least once. And your dogs are saying hi. Damn it, I'm going to have to work that in now. (laughs) (laughs) So you've talked about how the the time in uniform affects the way you write stories. Does it affect how you engage with them as a reader? It can. Like we were talking about earlier, you got to give me enough base so that I'll buy the big lie. Um, You can't just go, well, these guys are super soldiers. They just got out of basic training. Nobody knows anything about them. Why the fuck are you don't telling me they're super soldiers? Eighteen um, X-rays. Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly, you know, they're spec ops, dude. This isn't the movie Stripes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Stripes is a good movie though. It's highly underrated. Stripes is an amazing movie and a lot of fun. <laughs> I want that Winnebago. Oh yeah. You and me both. <laughs> For camping and invading countries. I'm just saying, if you don't know what we're talking about, you're too young and you I need to catch up. I can't talk about maybe having accidentally invaded a country once. Um, I'm just saying it happens to everybody, and I may or may not have done that a few times myself. It was um, Czechoslovakia. It was 1993-ish, and we were trying to go to Hungary, and we were on a train. Just so happened. we had a LT doing <laughs> land nav accidentally for a full live fire exercise, accidentally crossing the Canadian border. I'm just saying, hypothetically, it could have happened. Uh, oh. Handled above my pay grade, so it wasn't my problem. <laughs> then that same lieutenant when we were in Iraq, so we should have known better, but, you know, we just liked watching him fail. Uh, somehow we accidentally ended up in Syria and Iran because he can't read a thing map to save his life. But his daddy was somebody, so he ended up making major. So, you know, that that's how it goes. But, yeah, in a lot of w- but in a lot of ways, it's one of those things. It's like if you don't see the things you'd expect to see in a military story that you have seen live in units, where it's like there's always that one guy who's half – he's idiot savant, and you're really sure of it because 90% of the time you don't want this person thinking, but then suddenly they just do the most amazing shit. It's like the Forrest Gump. How did you get so good? I just did what you told me to, Drill Sergeant. <laughs> it's, it's those kind of moments, and those people yeah, really exist. I and got very do. far in my career just by pulling a Forrest Gump. <laughs> it works, right? It. If it ain't broke, I'll fix it. Yeah. So you told me to do it, so I did it. I did it well. Yeah, it works out. <laughs> but yeah, you know, weaponized uh, stubbornness is is what that's called. Oh, yeah, I'm that down. That's great. Ooh, I've got a couple of characters that can define <laughs> weaponized stubbornness. Yes. So, uh, transitioning from the writing side, let's talk about things from a fan angle. And so, you've answered these before, but if people haven't heard your previous episode, we, we keep these in here. Um, and your stories might change, but have you gotten any cool fan art or had anybody cosplay your stuff yet? I'm definitely waiting for a tank cosplay, like have them wear like the box and do the thing. That'd be cool. I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure how I'd react to, to Phoebe the Tank showing up at an event I'm at. That would be interesting. Although, cosplaying Burning Bad Karma wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> but so far as I know, nobody has cosplayed them. Okay. <laughs> have they yeah, Have they cosplayed uh, any of your stuff yet? I haven't run into anybody, but I've only been to a cup. I've only been to like one con since I really started one or two cons since I really started writing in only one of them where anybody knew who I was. 
Okay. Well, if they do, if you do decide to cosplay his stuff, his newsletter will be linked in the show notes. Send him a pic. He'd love to see it. Um, <laughs> so since you've started writing, has anyone asked for your autograph? I have had people ask for my autograph. Occasionally they're at signings. Often it's like, I'll be at a, an event where I know family or friends and they show up. Um, when I first published Easy Jobs, it's like the entire triathlon community in Columbus, Georgia, where a bunch of them were like, we bought your book. We want you to sign them. Okay. So I showed up to a meeting and ended up spending, a, you know, two hours signing books. <laughs> it's like, okay. Poor hand. <laughs> oh, I mean, his, his misspent time as an, uh, as a lower enlisted person prepared him for that though. I, I'm just saying <laughs> on the other so, hand, it was it, on the other hand, I don't care how many copies you sign in a given period of time. It doesn't get less cool. It really oh. doesn't. It's a great feeling. It I is. was so flustered the first time I spelled my own dang name wrong. Because no. I couldn't remember how to make the R in cursive. Because I was just so happy. I just looked like JD. <laughs> and dude, and I, just, I ended I, up oh, I ended up buying a new copy so I could give him a better signed one. To And I just kept the miss, the, the miss signed one. Um, so do you remember the first time someone asked for your autograph? Like that, that special someone? Say, that hey. was it was literally um when easy jobs came out people in the tri club are like you're coming to the meeting yeah do you have copies yeah we're buying copies bring them i didn't okay. really have a say <laughs> it's kind of like do everybody needs box of these and okay all right you got i it. mean everyone needs friends like that though they're yeah, supportive absolutely. no matter what right you really so, really especially well i was talking to a, a buddy of mine who went Hey, I just read the blurb you had posted, and I first read that as date instead of data. I was like, okay, cool. I'll make a note of that. And I was like, and thank you for letting me know you read that, because a lot of days I feel like I'm just shouting into the void anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, Does anybody see this stuff? <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's therapy, right? I You know, you get, you get the demons out of your head and into someone else's, so. I think that's fair. <laughs> Maybe we could work that into an urban fantasy, like you write it down so the demons leave your mind, and then they go infect something. Like Nick, you and I are gonna we're gonna we're gonna work on that later. All so, right, <laughs> what's the weirdest or funniest interaction you've had with uh, fans with readers since you started? Um, it was less fans. Um, last year they they have a con in Des Moines, Iowa called Des Moines Con. I know, amazingly creatively named. And somehow or another, I had reached out to the them and went, hey, I'd do a panel on, you know, all the stuff I wish I had known when I first started writing. And afterwards, people were like, no, dude, that is so helpful. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> I'm just telling you to keep writing and, you know, put on a business hat. It's, wait, what? But yeah, these people were like, no one knows how to start or what to do. <laughs> So that was kind of neat. And it was like, and there was a young, one, one young lady during the panel and I had explained, um, I have a story in Bane Books Anthology World Breakers called Amarillo by Firefight, which is basically Phoebe the Tank is catfishing an infantry soldier on military tender and then finds out he's in the unit she's got to rescue. I yeah, mean, she shot, she blew up a lot of stuff <laughs> through Amarillo, Texas. Nice. I had a lot of fun with that one. And and there was one young lady in the crowd who goes, 
what's the name of that story? And I told her, I told her Amarillo by Firefight. And she goes, and what's the name of the anthology? World Breakers. And I'm pretty sure I sold a copy of that book right then and there. And that's how it's I mean, did you, did you have the country song playing in the background, Amarillo by Morning, as you were writing that? Actually, yeah, I did. <laughs> Music can inspire. Like, oh, I have playlists when I write. <laughs> do you do that when you... Do you do that when you draw, Nick? Is it the same when you're drawing oh, yeah. as opposed to your writing? Oh yeah, the uh, the first issue of Phantom Hawk that I drew, and while I was writing, I was listening to nothing but Johnny Cash. Mm, I can see that he's gritty. So I like it. It really had like like almost a western feel to it, but a rock and roll feel to it, and mm-hmm. you could just it's pretty much the soundtrack for issue one. So before Nick asks you about your uh, your body of work, do you think cyberpunk and Western could go together? I know Will Smith tried it badly. Um, That's more uh, steampunk than anything else. Yeah, it really was less cyberpunk, more steampunk. And as it is, it wasn't a bad movie as far as it went. <laughs> it was fun. It, 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 yeah, if you shut your brain off and just, just enjoy the fun, it was fun. Yeah, it's bubblegum for the mind. Yeah. 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 But do you think you think cyberpunk could work with Western themes? I could see the honor. Okay. It's kind of like what's the difference between the old West gunfighter with a cause and a samurai? Not a hell of a lot. The same thing. They're all Ronin. Yeah. And I could see working that into a cyberpunk story and it would work really, really well. And I've got a couple of characters I could introduce who really are just kind of Ronin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it, it, would, it would work well. Yeah, All right, Nick, back to you. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. That was a good question. I dug it. So yeah. it just kind of, spoiler alert on the next question. No big deal. <laughs> um, we're going to talk everything about you, sir. Uh, everything that you've written. Um, can you give us a, a Reader's Digest, like highlight reel of your body of work? All right. Well, we'll start in... Order you should probably read these in is Moving Target, my soon to outcome to be coming out California Chaos. Moving Target is the origin story for Bad Karma, how a young mercenary named Breeze became Bad Karma. And there's horrible things I did to that poor, poor, poor lady. <laughs> California Chaos is the would be next up in the timeline. After that is Sandblaster because. That's where I first introduced Crystal Cruz, which is, hey, we're going to steal a Holy Mexican Empire general from them in a war zone. We'll hire Mercs to do that because we don't want to point him back to us. Yep, deniability. Um, seemed to work. It worked out well. Yeah. We also got Phoebe out of that. Um, and then Easy Jobs is basically getting to the Greek, but it involves... Automatic weapons, grenades, and an inter- an illegal international border crossing, and burning bad karma doing what they do best, which is get get the job done. Okay. In anthologies, I have Amarillo by Firefight and the World Breakers anthology from uh, Bane Books, and I have Operation Slay Slay Ride and Slay Bells Ring. Both of those center on Phoebe the Tank, who was born in Sandblaster and. Is just a fun character now. The sentient tank. I love this timeline now. This sounds like <laughs> a um, 
Oh, wait till it's I almost... tell you what I did with Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, go on. Oh, he's okay. He may or may not be an AI in my timeline, and he's definitely going to get to Mars. Had a boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Boy had staying power. Local boy made good. Look, I'm saying. Local boy made good. So those all sound fascinating, but obviously we're here to talk about uh, a very specific book. But before we dive into that, we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man with this commercial interlude. There is a thin wall between our world and that of the Fey. The passions and emotions stirred by violence and combat bleed over. And the supernatural often awakes from long slumber to meddle in mortal affairs. There have always been those among us willing to meet the supernatural threat. They are the men and women of Joint Task Force 13. They hold the line between heaven and hell. JTF 13 from Three Ravens Publishing. Available on Amazon. That voice, whoever's doing the narration for that, sounds like he's enjoyed a bourbon or two. I was digging it. I'm just saying that that whole thing sounded like something I need to read. They do um, an anthology in the Three Ravens press. They got a lot of them they put out, but every so often they do uh, JTF 13. But it's mm-hmm. just, I didn't find out about it in time, but it looks like it'd be fun to toy with. The idea yeah. of the military units fighting um, actual like devils. And it's like, I don't know, Rangers meet Supernatural almost, except Sounds for these Marines. So. I'm not saying I wouldn't be okay with that. <laughs> I'd read that. So thank you for sticking with us, though. We really appreciate it, dear listener. But uh, let's talk about the reason we brought you here, which was the book California Chaos, a burn and bad karma world story, uh, which is part of the burn and bad karma series. Where did you get the premise for this specific story? Not the whole universe, but just California Chaos. Uh, Okay. California Chaos kind of came to mind and became something I needed to write because there's a line in Sandblaster where Sandblaster is where Crystal Cruz, who's this spy for, she's actually in the Ranger department, Rangers, but she's not a Ranger. The Ranger department is a separate entity. She's a spy. They trained her. They sent her to California to spy on the Northern, what's left of the, the Northern States stuff that's going on out there. And there's a line in there. She has just got back from California and apparently something horrible happened where she was at. And there's this line where she's talking with a uh, recurring character named Mickey, who's got some inside notes about, you know, government, the Ranger department, that kind of stuff. And she's like, they're like, oh, this is Crystal. She just got back from California and she's going to go with you. And he looks at her and goes, California. She goes, San Luis Obispo. And he goes, I thought that was a team. Okay. And she doesn't say anything. And I'm like, oh, shit, now i got to write that to figure out what happened. So we have the story of that's how California Chaos was born. I'm doing Crystal's kind of entry point story. Okay. Go, what happened out in California in San Luis Obispo? And what's the origin? Like, how did you come up with the overall idea for the universe that started it all? Oh, the overall idea for the universe at... I've always I've read a lot of cyberpunk. I mean, really enjoyed the concept, and it was like kind of looking at the Burning Bad Karma series. Burning Bad Karma were characters that had come to me already because I read a lot about them, and it was one of those. Okay, so what do we do if let's take the premise that the U.S. is the economic engine of the world? Let's crank that up to the U.S. is the economic turbine of the world. 
ever seen a turbine come apart? It's pretty messy. No, I have not. Yeah, you that's impressive. Be, to be clear, you don't want to be anywhere near that when it happens because it's really destructive. So imagine that economic turbine comes apart. Oh, economic collapse globally. Now we add in somebody who got hold of, oh, I'm not saying the Russians lost control of strategic nukes, but the Russians probably have lost control of strategic nukes. And they, somebody nukes nine cities, six in Europe, three in the U.S. Why? Yeah. I have decided the person who did that will never be found. But they set off a lot of chain of events that caused a lot of chaos. The U.S. eventually descends into a civil war. Because you have a combination of, you know, polit yeah, this gets way too much real world right at this point, but divisive politics, knowing what happened. If you know what happened in Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia, it was like it wasn't everybody. It was like 10% of each faction were still holding grudges 50 years later. I mean, and that happens when friends, I mean, when people kill each other, you kind of uh, <laughs> in the boy, right? Years, you that down a little bit but no no <laughs> like generational I mean, grudges yeah. yeah i mean wasn't that the hatfields and the mccoys how long did that last oh I, that... I, they now have a marathon to settle that <laughs> literally really? the half old mccoys marathon nice I didn't um know that. i've done 54 marathons that's not one i've done yet <laughs> yeah i wouldn't i um, will eventually <laughs> <laughs> Um, what what would the age range be for this story? I I think you'd be okay anywhere 14, 15 on up. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I don't it's not like a lot of on-screen sex, although weirdly there's a there tend to be romance elements where bird and bad karma are together, but other than that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now on to the fun part. Can we uh, just take a moment to talk about your cover? All right. There we go. Just, look oh. at that. Yeah. I knew you'd like this one, Nick. Yeah, I I, I, I like the the colors, the the vibrance of the colors. So I kind of my wife and I were talking about it, and she was willing to start learning Canva and kind of working on cover stuff for me. So it was like, okay, here's the story, here's kind of what I think. Figure out what, what I need for something that's cyberpunk and spy story. This is what she came up with out of Canva, and I really like it. Yeah, it, it has a spy feel to it. It's like, got that kind of gritty feel, a little bit of, hey, there's something a little shady going on here. Right, and I like that the uh, the character is silhouetted, so there's like yeah. hardly any detail to it. So it does lend to, you know, what, what she does. She's a spy. Yeah. Well, spies she, are awfully alone. Yeah. You know, um, I like the um, mm -hmm. the the type used. the The title of the book looks like a uh, like a neon street sign, which fits with everything else oh. that's going on here. That works. I had like, really, I had really, a scale of approval. Yeah, I will let her know. <laughs> yeah, she will she appreciate is. that. But yeah, no, she she put that together and we kind of she had a couple three options and we were like, yeah, this one really kind of works. This one does the best job of hey, 
you're a spy, you're far from home, and things just went really, really, really bad. So, you, so yeah, it's one of those, you're a spy, you're stealing data, and you get in, you encounter another spy from another country. Oof, cloak and Who's, dagger time. No, no, no. It, it, it's, we, we skipped cloak. <laughs> well, <laughs> we went straight to dagger. He went straight to dagger, and it did not end well for him because she was trained by rangers. <laughs> That, that warms my heart hearing that. I'm okay. I lived across the street from 75th Ranger Regiment for two assign two tours at Benny. Mm. Not going to fault the guys. They know they're hand to hand. <laughs> yeah, they they have the first confirmed kill with an MRE spoon. Wait, really? Don't they have the only confirmed yeah. kill with that? They have the first one. They probably had many after. Because I remember so, when I was that, in, well, we, once I was, there was one. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was required. Like you, your first MRE spoon deployed um, Oconus, you had to hold on to that, and you would just stick it through the Molly gear in your body armor. Oh wow! I mean, I thought we kept it there just because we were being fat asses, not because they had actual <laughs> potential as weapons. It's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> we used I mean, to throw the uh, we always the Campbell guys, soup. Right? Yeah, we also carried stuck Campbell's soup in the engine box, the little to-go cup, so that way when, when you had a chance, you, soup was always warm. Yep. Soup was always warm. Chow time. The Hot glory, soup, what can you say? The glories of building a rogue construction engineer were that I always had a way to heat my MRE. <laughs> yep. There's a giant yeah. diesel engine right there. <laughs> I've actually seen videos where tankers did the same thing with their giant diesel engine, and now mm -hmm. I can imagine somebody trying that with Phoebe, and you're like, you know, what are you doing? You're violating me. I am not <laughs> going. Get your hand out of there. <laughs> yeah. There's so much room for, for shenanigans. Oh, yeah. Now you got to write that, too. I'm just giving you all kinds of stuff. I'm going to have to write a Phoebe novel. Just a straight-up Phoebe goes to war with somebody novel oh. at some point. I can see. Didn't there Aren't there, like, manga where, like, the tank girls or something? Like, you could <laughs> totally make it a thing. I could. I, yeah. Well, and, I, I'm. I'm sitting here wondering, you know, the government that, okay, for lack of a better word, owns Phoebe the tank. What happens when they realize, really realize they have a tank that can think for itself? Yeah. I don't think they like that very much. They don't like soldiers that think for themselves either. <laughs> no, they don't. Sometimes they throw your E6 packet away. <laughs> Sometimes they throw your E6 I've been out for almost 10 years. I'm going to say what I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel you. So what would you say your elevator pitch for California Chaos would be? Do you like James Bond, cyberpunk, and a lot of action? Go. Okay. That sounds like the greatest sandwich ever. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it kind of comes up in the story where they talk part of Crystal's training was, uh, you know, your normal mission is mission one, get data, get it back to home. We've got stuff set up so you can go to places, you can drop into a safe space up or safe room, upload this data because we've set that up for you, that kind of thing. 
if things go bad, I'll go to mission level two, which is create chaos and confusion and see see if you can get see if you can keep operating. If you can't keep operating, go to mission level three and leave bodies however many deep you got to. Yep, those are ranger directives. Because you were trained by rangers and at some point the hell with it, just stack bodies. Yeah, F it, we'll do it live. <laughs> and yep. Yeah. So <laughs> so yeah, there's a ton of action in here, and I have a lot of fun going. How do I make somebody who okay, it's cyberpunk. So I have bad karma who has pretty much every freaking mod you can imagine. Between her and Burn, they have everything one way or the other. And this is a spy. You can't just, you know, you can't stick super high-level reflex mods and muscle mods and all the rest and body subdermal body armor and all the rest of it in her. You can pretty much get away with cyber eyes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little there's, bioware, you know. There is a um muscular skeleton uh, surgeon skeleton skeletal surgeon i can't remember his exact title uh yeah. on youtube yeah. that makes videos and that's one of the things he was breaking down with like the spartan super soldiers and mm -hmm. uh something that some of what happened to uh, captain america and talking about like what we could feasibly actually do and yeah. if you're willing to violate all kinds of ethics along the way <laughs> uh, on the medical side we could surprisingly do more of it than i thought yeah even yeah. now well, send me that well, link yeah I will. please <laughs> Um, yeah, for Crystal, it's she's basically, and this part doesn't come up, she's got a filter system, but her big thing is an adrenaline booster dump. So she can punch in, punch her, what she calls it, punch in the bag. Drop a bunch of adrenaline, react as fast as you can, and move. Problem is, it takes time to refuel, and it takes fuel to refuel. Yeah. And... Yeah, at some point you're either you're either going to blow your heart out or you don't have anything left. Good luck. Or your joints trying to move that fast. Yeah, there's some negatives to doing that a lot, and she ends up doing that a lot through this. I mean, just just think about from a from a perspective of, of human physiology yeah. now. Like a lot of first responders, be it uh, combat veterans, EMT, firefighters, and police have issues because they're on the cord because cortisone or cortisol that's the fight or flight yeah. drug yeah. because they're on it for so much and so long they actually have long-term health issues because the yep. human body's just not designed to sustain that oh uh, yeah and in california in california chaos it's like with her it's like she's got cyber eyes and as her systems are opening up because eventually they're like yeah we can unlock unlock some of the stuff we've implanted in you so you can be more effective it's like, yeah, she's got this constant running rate of where her heart rate is. How long can you run at your heart rate punch in 240 beats a minute? Usually your heart your heart explodes around 190. Yeah. As an endurance as an endurance coach and distance runner, you don't want to be sitting at 240 a lot. Oh man, you're in you're, that's a that short needle is tapping. Thing. Yeah. Like you'll break glass on that one. That's crazy. Yeah, something bad's gonna happen here, and she's just right at the edge of the whole thing oh, a man. few times. So, insane. what is it you think makes the um, California chaos in the universe writ large that it exists in? What do you think makes it special? I put a lot of thought into what the outcomes would be when you know 
economics go sideways when somebody nukes major cities uh what's what's china's response when china's falling apart because all its best customers aren't customers anymore yeah um we've got to taste that with, uh... yeah and yeah china china plays a big role in this one because they're kind of the bad, the bad spy that runs into Crystal is with the Chinese because they're trying to secure and be security forces in California to protect their interests there. And it's like, yeah, and we lost a spy. Oh, what happened? That's generally something people get mad about. Yeah, no, so they become kind of the primary bad guys. And weirdly, it's like I wrote their their commander is. I like him. I feel almost bad about what I did did in here. <laughs> that means you did it right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what tropes do you feel like you leaned into for California Chaos? Um, I leaned a lot into spy tropes. Hey, for as long as possible, you are, need to be invisible. You're just part of the scenery. You do what you do. You quietly do what you do. And then when you can't, you turn into James Bond and just do horrible shit to people. <laughs> so this is cyberpunk. So technology is a little bit wonky, cybernetics, transhumanism, all the things. Yeah. So when you say you go invisible, do you mean like um, active mm -hmm. camouflage or do you mean just blend into the crowd? Blend into the, in Crystal's case, it's blend into the crowd. You show up for work every day at the airbase. You do your thing. You're actually really good. You're decent at your job. And what they don't realize is, yeah, you're taking advantage of every weird security flaw you can find and pulling data out to send back to your home country. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit more about the main character for California Chaos? Yeah. So Crystal is a character in the course of the Civil War. She lives in the South. She somehow or another gets recruited. I didn't really get into that, but she gets recruited for this developing the rangers have been pulled out of kind of out of the military and along with having a ranger regiment that's the size of a division they've got that that's also where the government being a bunch of libertarians look for the southern states went oh we can hide all these spies and saboteurs and the borderline psychopaths we we need to employ we can kind of put them in there and they're in that black budget we don't ever have to talk about with anybody. Right. So, yeah, that's where Crystal got her training. They taught her to be, she got recruited. She speaks multiple languages. She's traveled internationally. So they train her to be a spy. They teach her how to, you know, here's the basics, data exfiltration. Here's how we'll set things up. And if it goes sideways, we have these ranger instructors who teach you how to deal deal damage and do your th do what you got to do. Don't do that unless you've got to. Yeah, like a last resort. Yeah, so it's like there are fun bits in there where it's like there's one scene where she has to cross like 100 meters and she's doing it at a run and she's like, I haven't been able to work out in months. <laughs> yeah. She gets hit by she she her car gets literally hit by a secure uh, Chinese security force vehicle because everyone's trying not to start an international war in California, and she ends up getting out of the car and troops are getting out and she's like, nah, I had enough of this. <laughs> Tarps Pumped off, boys. We're going. 
<laughs> punch the bag and start shooting these troops. <laughs> oh, well. She gets a little help from there, from some people from there, but. But All yeah, right. so it's like Crystal's, she would have been just as happy to pull the data, ship it off, and go back to work the next day and nobody ever know a thing. But bad days happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a bad day at work, to be honest. It sounds like it. Um, are there any secondary characters who are especially memorable to you? And if you so, could you tell us a little bit about them? There are a f- couple of special secondary characters. Again, I like the Chinese security forces general. He's a lot of fun because he's trying to be, you know, kind of Americanized and work with the other things and he's uh, the other entities in the area. And he's really good at what he does. Um, there's a hacker I brought in because I had to explain where, where Crystal was getting any of the information about what was specifically going on. So I ended up going back because the novel was a little short and I went, all right, we'll create this hacker. And then I end up with this hacker who's doing work for the Ranger department because she had been arrested hacking something in the government and they gave her a choice. We can stick you in prison and pull all your implants out. Which for her was just like, yeah, no, that's a suicide. That's just suicide. Or you can do jobs for us. So in this world, are the uh, implants permanent? Would it literally kill you to take them out? It probably wouldn't kill her, but in her head, not being able to access the internet, access and hack the way she does. Yeah, for her, it's like that's her whole personality. Okay, so you've told us a little bit about the bad guy. Is there anything more you could tell us without giving us spoilers? Um, the Chinese security forces in California are not technically an invasion force. But there's also elements of Japan in the area. There's the Holy Mexican Empire has troops in California and spies and agents in California. California sided with the northern states because it's what they did. And... And uh, then there's a California partisan movement. They want California to be its own country. So I'm down for that. Let, of, let them have it. <laughs> I, it real world or in setting, I'm okay with it. I mean, yeah. So, do you have a map of the territory um, of the United States where you're writing this as it stands in your books? I literally had to print out a map of the U.S. and kind of outline where what country ends. And begins. Oh, that's cool. Um, how many different divisions are there? Like, um, there are realistically five. You have oh, the nice. Southern States Union. You have what everybody else refers to as the Northeast. So, if so, from the Mississippi east and north of the Mason-Dixon line would be the Northeast, except California flagged with them. They would. The Southern states did what they did. Um. From the Mississippi to probably Calif- to California, Oregon, Washington, and Indi- Idaho is what they call the middle American states. Everybody refers to them as the farmers because it's all farm country. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Holy Mexican Empire that has gone kind of invasive. They're, they've got part of Texas. They're in no. Mexico. Oh, Texas is just a war zone. I've written two stories in that. <laughs> Are the stars at I, night still big and bright? 
Depends on how Nick you like your artillery and air air combat. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so Nick like is a Texas, Texas boy, so you're hurting mm. his heart right now. That's like we already yeah. fought a war to free ourselves from the from the Mexicans. Damn it! Well, technically the Spanish. <laughs> so does Anna, Anna get his revenge finally? Then is that what you're telling us? Not really. It's kind of a stalemate. They've got parts of or Arizona. They've got parts of parts. Of, they've got parts of New Mexico, parts of Arizona. I've got another story that's rough drafted for another anthology that takes place in Deseret, Utah, and Nevada become their own country. God knows why. <laughs> it it <laughs> made sense. Nukes. <laughs> it made sense, and I rolled with it. Okay. Okay, and there's kind of there's kind of a Pacific a Northwest, Oregon, Idaho, and Washington, and maybe Alaska are kind of packed Northwest and went, all of y'all leave us alone. We don't like any of you. Oh, <laughs> that's wow. it. Yeah, that sounds like so, a pack ten. Yeah. <laughs> so you you told us a little bit about your characters, but you you did a lot of bad things to them, including the Texans, who will never forgive you. So if they met you in a in the back alley and they knew who you were, you were the creator of their torment. How do you see that interaction playing out? I'm gonna need, I don't know, a platoon of good rangers to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just saying these are some highly tooled up people and they're angry. <laughs> and when you write these characters, do you have like a favorite character archetype that you do you use? Do you let the story sort of flow and, and build the character around it, or do you have like a template, how do you create these characters? Um, depends on the character. It's like burn and bad karma are really bad karma is gonna make a combat decision. That's what she does. Somebody somebody tried to make a better killer, and bad karma was a result. So, what's the right tactical answer? That's what she's gonna do. That can be messy, but she's gonna come out of the other side. Um Burn thinks a little more and is a and is a more strategy based thinker. Crystal, because she's a spy, is combat needs to be short term. I don't need to be doing this for a very long time because that's not what I'm built for. Yeah, get me, get the data, get out, and leave them wondering who did what. Yeah, yeah, that's what you got to do. Yeah, they literally sent her on sandblaster to keep her out of everyone's out of out of view of everyone, so no one could figure out where she was. <laughs> it's like we're oh, gonna well, hide you, so we're gonna send you to a really dangerous job. <laughs> oh, that's that's how things work. <laughs> I'm just saying, just hide them right in the I middle mean, of chaos in plain sight. Yeah, um, is California Chaos a part of a series? It is part of the Burn and Bad Karma series. It's it just doesn't happen to have Burn and Bad Karma in, involved in it. Okay. So will it always be a standalone, or do you think you're going to write uh, California Chaos Book 2? I don't know if I'll go back to California. Oh, I know I'm going back to California. I have a novella written with Burning Bad Karma go back to California, but I don't know if I'll get Crystal back out there at any point in time. So will Crystal get another novel that would, whatever it's titled, wherever it's set, would be a sequel to this novel? Um, she's definitely going to make appearances later in the series. So I'm going to bring her in for some other burning karma stories because she has met them in Sandblaster. Okay. And I'm thinking about some places I'm going to go later in the series with Phoebe that Crystal may be involved with. Okay. 
So we know that uh, every literary universe, at least the good ones, have their own internally consistent rules of science, technology, and magic, or magic, I guess not all of them have it. So what kind of tech besides the cybernetic implants can we expect from California Chaos? Improve uh, all the tech we have now, moving to the next level. Because it's okay. a, one of the one of the tropes in a lot of cyberpunk is, you know, the internet's this very special thing that only certain people can jack into. So, and I've never bought into that because everyone's using the internet and everyone's going to use the internet. You know, AI is coming along. I'm having some fun with that. Again, I kind of turned Elon Musk into an AI in a story that I haven't done anything with yet. So that'll be fun. <laughs> uh, does right. your universe have any aliens or fantastical type creatures in it? Like a giant mech or something? That far future space marine thing definitely has aliens in it. And yes, there are there are borderline, there will probably be mech level stuff going on in current series. So uh, how do you go, will eventually uh, get to meet aliens. I mean, <laughs> oh, nice. that is who doesn't want to see that? <laughs> the sentient tank versus alien life forms. Oh, yeah, the space, the colonial marines and aliens could have used her. She'd have made that a much different fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, when you go about creating aliens, um. Kind of like, what's your process in doing that when you're, when you're writing them? Um, depends on what I need. It's like in the purely cyberpunk thing, I'm currently writing somebody did some research or did an experiment and they started putting implants into a kitten. Oh. So the kitten's kind of hyper aggressive because of it. Well, yeah. Aren't, <laughs> you aren't they already aggressive? And they can't sleep. <laughs> yeah. Cats are already kind of a-holes. So yeah. then you go and you give them cybernetics and implants and make them worse. Yeah. Um, and if you've never read it, um, Neil Stevenson Snow Crash has the most amazing cyberpunk or cybered up dog ever. <laughs> nice. But yeah, as far as if I get into when I do dabble in science fiction, um, aliens can be a lot of fun, but it's like, what do I need them to do? Yeah. And what's the purpose I've of got, the story, right? I've got a trunk alien invasion of earth series or I've got mostly the first novel somewhere, but yeah, the aliens were basically three meter tall wolf men. <laughs> okay. And just that. Because that made, it made a lot of fun. <laughs> it's like, Hey, we're setting up our, the, the way their armor set up, we we need AKs up and heavy, heavy ammo up close, but mm -hmm. you can face shoot them with a five five six so nice. we're sniping with we're sniping with smaller caliber rounds than we're going into combat with so a bunch of um what is it designated unit designated marksman marksman <laughs> marksman yep like sniper, sniper light <laughs> we would finally get yeah. to be useful i like it <laughs> yeah, yeah. you did <laughs> Really fancy rifle when I was the SDM, and then when it hit the fan, they wouldn't let me use it. They made us call the Rangers. So, <laughs> well, why it's like they've been to you? <laughs> well, I, they said I was stupidly yeah. aggressive and took too many chances, and that put everybody at risk. I've heard that lecture a few times. 
<laughs> I mean, okay, I, I think there's a common theme in this group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets into trouble, I pull him out of it. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Speaking of pulling us out of trouble, uh, obviously we're winding this one. We're winding this down. But is there anything about California chaos we didn't uh, ask that you wanted to tell us? It's a really fun story. Of the alpha readers have said this is an amazingly fun, a good story. It's a fun story, and there's a lot of action, and you just keep it moving. And the characters are kind of real people dealing with real stuff, along with, hey, everyone's trying to kill us. Yeah. That happens sometimes. Um, so before we let you go, dear listener, I wouldn't be the Blasters and Blades podcast if I didn't remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books, so do your part. Uh, and that includes all the literature you buy, be it comic books or novels or audiobooks. Do your part. Like The reviews really help. They help uh, the algorithms tell to share the novel. So if you like it and you want more of it, you need to tell the readers to other readers like yourself to buy, to give it a chance. So it really does matter. We harp on it a lot because it's 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 an important part of the process from the business side. Sharing is caring. So, sharing is caring. Um, so how can listeners find you? And as usual, Keith, um, we will link all of this in the show notes for you. But how can listeners find you on the interwebs? If you just want to shoot me an email and tell me I wrote a great story, I'd really appreciate that for one. <laughs> You can email me at Keith at KeithEdger.com. My webpage is Keith at or is, my website is KeithEdger.com. And I've got from there you can link over to Facebook and all the other stuff I've got, all my other social medias. Okay. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Um, we do answer those. So if you want to reach out or you can reach out to us individually, that's all linked on the Amazon about, or excuse me, Amazon on the uh, YouTube about page. You can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Uh, a little birdie told me that at some point in the future, Nick's going to be doing some drawing on air for us again. He used to do that back in the day and he wants to start that. So he's going to be sharing some of that to the Facebook page in the future. You get to watch his process. Here, uh, Stabby threatened to kill him again in the background, you know, with love, with love. Um, it's all with love. Uh, you can join us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. These podcasts don't pay for themselves, or you can support the show more directly, and we greatly appreciate you uh, if you do. It's buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley and if you do be sure to put in the comment section that is for the podcast and i promise i will keep doc seska and nick garber duly um intoxicated with only the finest bourbon and they will drink it until their wallet surrenders because that's not a cheap hobby no it's not but it's worth it it really isn't (laughs) now i want to have that pappy when it's like i'm an adult and i can actually appreciate it We've got goals now, Nick. Yep. We're going to make I this happen. Wait, that's wait, been wait. a goal of mine for at least five years. Wait, there's one of us in this meet in this group that's an adult? Okay, in theory, sort Fair of, enough. maybe. It's government standards. There's got to be someone listening that's an adult. 
Right, right. There we go. <laughs> we'll just take credit. Somebody for somewhere involved as an adult. We'll just go with that. Outstanding. All right. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nate Garber and Doc Saska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. Thank you for coming, Keith. This was a lot of fun. You're always fun to chat with. I, I try to be fun. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I really appreciate the opportunity. And it was. Hope everybody had a good time. It was nice seeing you again, Nick. It's nice when you can make it. Uh, your stinking bosses want you to do things like work. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, now that I'm a Marine instructor, they just, I just made more work for myself now. Yes, but oh, you get to strut around with the fancy clipboard. I do. do I have a, it's my. It's mine from uh, when I was a lieutenant. And it says, no, really, I run this circus on the back. <laughs> I dig it. All right, you should take a picture of that and put it in the Facebook group for everybody. I Give them incentive to join. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week.